0: This is not a bulletin board. It's just an image on a screen. All right. This morning we are turning to the topic of serving and giving to the church. And by serving and giving, uh, I'm going to use those, ch- those terms interchangeably. What I mean by that is simply spending yourself, your time, your gifts, your resources, your energy um, for the sake of Christ's church. Um For example, Jesus says in matthew ten forty five even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when we 're talking about giving, sometimes we automatically think financial, but what we want to think about today is that w- there's more to giving than just financial. It should include that certainly, but but it should also be an act of of uh serving. Other people serving the church. Jesus calls us to take up our own cross and follow him. And part of what that means is following him in service in the church. Remember Jesus said in Mark 10:43, just before that verse I just quoted, he said, if, if anyone wants to be great among you, he must be what? Okay, he shall be your servant. He's got to be the least of all, right? So greatness in Jesus' eyes is serving the need needs of others. And in our service to others, should then be a result out of an overflow of our hearts, not out of guilt. It, it ought to be something that we do cheerfully. And um, in serving, our joy in Christ should overflow from generosity because of what has been given to us. So this morning we want to consider how God has called us to serve in our church through our various gifts that God, that the Spirit has, has entrusted to us and uh, service that contributes to the unity of the church. Remember, that's what we're trying to look at overall in this class. How do we preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? So we'll start with the theology of service, and then we'll walk through four ways that we can contribute to unity through our service, and then I want to think of some uh, ways that, um, that, uh, that fail to glorify God when we when we serve in the wrong way. So let me begin with the word of prayer, and then we'll look into a theology of, of service before we look at the practical aspects. Father, would you teach us this morning? Would you use your Spirit to shape our hearts so that we can properly understand our role within this body that Christ loved and loves so much so that He was willing to give His blood for it? Lord, help us in this, we pray in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, would you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4? We want to begin with the theology of service that we can see from various passages in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4. And here we kind of have a summary of our service and what it means with, with regard to the ministry In the church. So, chapter four, would someone read verses 10 and 11? All right. So we learned several things from this this short passage here on what service ought to be within a local church. Number one, we learned that each Christian, each Christian has received a gift. See that at the beginning of verse ten, as each one has received a special gift. This is not just referring to church leadership or people who are on paid staff. Uh, This is referring to each member of Christ's body. We all have gifts that have have been entrusted to us by the Holy Spirit. Alright, so there's the first thing we learn. The second thing we learn in this passage is that each gift is a result of God's grace. Notice at the end of verse 10, employ and serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, of, of the, the various ways in which God supplies His grace to us. So God gives each of you a gift, and you are to use it, or, or you should recognize that it is a result of God's grace. Number three, look at um, verse 10 again. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Okay, so number three, we're responsible to use that gift. We have a responsibility for the use of that gift. If God has entrusted something to us, okay, a gift or various gifts that we have because we're in Christ, because we have the Spirit of God living within us, as a result of God's grace, and we have to use it properly. Okay, just like the parable of the talents, Referring to money there, but I think the idea of ability also applies in that 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 we shouldn't just bury it in the ground, and wait for the Lord to return instead we ought to to use it, make it make it uh, produce fruit, plant it and or uh, invest it. Number four, when we use it, we ought to do it for the benefit of others, right Look at verse ten again, each of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another and then look at the end of verse 11 so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belongs the glory so we ought to use it for the benefit of others and for the glory of God we received a gift it's a result of God's grace we ought to use it and we ought to use it for the sake of others and for God's glory then number five let me show it to you first it's at the first part of verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking in the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So we should serve through God's what? God's strength. So as a Christian, God has given you a special manifestation of His grace which He has uh, given to you for the specific purpose, not using it for yourself, but for the sake of Christ's body, for for the sake of Christ's church. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Would someone read verse twelve? Okay, Here, Paul is talking about the various uh, responsibilities giving, pri- given primarily to church leaders, that they have a responsibility to use their gifts to equip the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. And what Paul is stressing here is that the aim of this, that if we're going to use our gifts for the benefit of others, that it ought to be done for the whole body, not just the individual parts or certain parts of it certain pockets of the body uh, but rather for the whole body that is that that it is to be used for the for the entire body of Christ God gives us all gifts although this is referring to leaders primarily God gives us all gifts each of us gifts so that we can use it for the sake of the entire body and um so that's our first point when we see this, how service can be done wrong. Service gone wrong, number one, at the bottom of your up. It's a belief that we're entitled to serve in a particular way because of the path, path to personal fulfillment. Our gifts are not for ourselves. Our gifts are used to employ, to use for the sake of others. And if we think that our gifts are used to advance ourselves or to make our name more prominent, then we're wrong. And um, and so that means we serve for the sake of the body. I, I stress this in our um, membership class that, that we offer for people who want to join the church. That when we come to the church, we are not to be consumers. It's very easy to come to church and be a consumer because we are in every other area of our lives. You know, if, if we don't like Burger King's hamburgers, then what do we do? Okay? go to McDonald's or, you know what, there's another Burger King down the street. If we don't like this specific one, I'll just go to the other one. And, and tend, we can tend to do that when we come to church too, can't we? And if they're not going to serve me, if they're not going to do it my way, there's plenty of other churches I can go to and I'm just going to go down the street to another church. But what we need to think of when we come to a church what God has gifted us to do is actually to provide, to serve, to use our gifts for the sake of the body rather than You know, being a me monster when we walk into the the church, you know, it's all about me and what my needs are and how people are going to serve me. We need to think of the church. How can I provide? And so we stress that uh, very early on, and I hope um, that, that I don't stop reminding you of that as well. I need to remind myself of that as well. It's not about me. It's not about you. Alright, so how can we serve in a way that promotes unity? That's basic theology. God has given us gifts for the sake of the body to benefit them and to glorify Him. Any questions on that? Mark? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, There are, I think, two or three lists of spiritual gifts in the Scriptures. And um, those gifts, uh, there There have been people who've tried to say you know let 's go through a set of questions and find out what exact gift that you have, but um i don 't think that those gifts are meant to be exhaustive that is if you don't fall into one of these you're you 're out of it or you need to find one of these and find the exact one that the Spirit has given you. I think the spirit's given us multiple gifts. And we are to use those for the sake of the church. Now, the way that we find out whether we have a gift or not, this is really profound. Not really. It's just start using our gifts. Start doing what we think God has given us to do. So, for example, you know maybe the easy one to think about is just you know teaching. If I think I have the gift of teaching, then I need to start thinking of ways. Maybe not in a public way, but maybe taking someone aside and helping disciple them you know is this is this something that God is am i able to clearly explain things to other people in a way that would would help them to grow uh or the gift of giving you know if i if i'm just naturally thinking about other people and you know what can i do to help encourage them and strengthen them and maybe help them out with their needs and i just need to start giving to people you know what what ways can i help them out and i'm not talking again financially only just whatever ways i can do that so i I'm a little bit leery about those, um, you know, the questionnaires that try to pull you to a a specific gift, and then now you've got it, and, you know, I've got the gift of prophecy, and now I'm going to use my gift of prophecy. Um, So that's just uh, my thoughts on that. All right, we need to keep moving. How should we serve in a way that promotes unity? Given this goal of unity, our goal is to see our church come together in unity. What should be our motive for serving the church. Number one, we need to serve in God's strength. I think we already did that. Serve in God's strength with great joy. Okay. Remember in 1 Peter 4.10, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God supplies. So let me just give you two examples. One person finds out that there's a need to help clean up the church, maybe on a work day or something, and thinks before going, oh, I suppose I'll go. You know, it's worth a few brownie points with the leaders. They'll see me working. Besides, I'm pretty good at that sort of thing, and I'll be able to impress some folks there. So so he comes, and the whole time he's grumbling about the tools and talks about on and on about his abilities. And he works, but his work's not done in the the reliance on God's power that God has called him to. It's not an attitude of joy and gratitude that should characterize Christian service. And his desire is really just to impress people, and he's really driven more by the fear of man than, than the glory of God. But consider a second person who is thinking about the same sort of service, helping clean up around the church, and he's been quite sick lately. And he thinks to himself, You know, I'd really love to help clean the church, but I don't have the strength right now. Maybe I could just go and help encourage some people who are there. Maybe I could pour some coffee, and and so he prays about it. And as as it turns out, he feels well enough to go and help with the cleanup, and he does what he can with a rag and a broom, and and, and he does it well. But, But above all, he displays a joy as he's doing it, a sense of gratitude that promotes unity and brings glory to God. You see, these two high, these two example, examples help to highlight us what really matters to God. That is, it's not just that we use our gifts, it's how we use them. It's how we use them. That is, in a cheerful reliance on Him. It's an attitude that, that should be similar to what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 9-7, where he said, each man should give what He has decided in His heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a what? He loves a cheerful giver. And I think the same thing's true about service. He loves a cheerful servant. He loves a cheerful server. Of course, too often we don't give cheer- cheerfully. Instead, we give out of guilt. That is, we serve in a way, just because you know, we kind of feel that this is, our duty we need to impress the people that need to be impressed and um, and uh, so that leads us to service gone gone wrong number two serving out of guilt rather than gratitude we need to think about our responsibility to build up the body what can I do maybe even in an unseen way Okay, when I say unseen, I mean by people, in order to help to build up the body of Christ. Think about what guilt-driven service says about the things of God. Guilt-driven service. It says that those people that we're serving are not that valuable. They're not as valuable as these other things in my life. You know it's the difference between enduring a, a kiss from Aunt Helga who's just just laden with perfume because you have to and and going on a long journey to to visit someone in your family because you want to because you recognize that they're worth the effort that's what kind of service God is looking for he's not looking for the oh I gotta do this." He's looking for, you know what, this is my family. I love these people. I love God's church. And I want to serve them. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. These two chapters are some of the best chapters on giving, I think. Paul is talking, describing the Macedonian churches, and he's trying to encourage the Corinthians to give for the sake of the needs at Jerusalem. And he's reminding them about the great acts of service by the Macedonian churches. And here's what he says in verses 2 and 3. that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, that is Macedonia's, these churches in Macedonia, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. That is not out of guilt; they gave because they chose to give. What a great, what what a great description of these people. That they they just wanted to give. That they basically pled to to be a part of of giving to this church, even out of the the. Um, Their deep poverty, they gave above their ability even. So what happens if we don't have this attitude? Because let's be honest, sometimes we do serve with a heart of service, with a heart of gratitude towards God, with a heart of love. But there are other times, and perhaps more than we'd like to admit, that we don't serve this way, so what happens if we don't have this proper attitude? What if our heart's cold to service to serving other people? What if our heart is is thriving for for the pleasure or the the praise of men? What do we do? Well, I would suggest that you don't refrain from serving the church until you get to that point. okay, Wait until your motives are completely pure. Scripture has commanded you to give. Scripture has commanded me to give and to serve. And so we ought to be serving and at the same time be striving for the right kind of heart, attitude. We have to recognize that that we still fall into sin and, and we can't do this perfectly, but through the power of the Spirit and through the transformation that comes through the work of Christ, we can do this with the right heart. And so, like everything else in the Christian life, we imperfectly, but Lord willing, uh, growingly, if that's the word, we do this as we grow, right? We're doing it, and it's not as pure as we'd like it to be, but you know what? It's much purer than it was five years ago, when all it was was about our heart. I was uh, going through some old cassette tapes that I had in some of my early sermons that I preached at church when I was 20 years old, I think. And I just told Jennifer I would hate to listen to these again because I know what's on there. I remember how much it was all about me and making the audience happy about me. You know? So, yeah, I still have wrong thoughts and responses and and, um, motives, even, when I preach today. But praise God, I don't have... (laughs) The motives I had, how many years was that? Fifteen years ago. You know, it's changing. It's growing. I hope you see the same thing in your acts of service. Yeah, your heart's not as pure as you'd like it to be, but that doesn't mean you stop serving. You serve and you grow. All right? So serve with joy. Serve in God's strength and with great joy. Any questions on that first one? All right, number two. Oh, did I miss a blank there for you? Oh, that's, that's the next one. Sorry about that. Serve without feeling useless. I think this ought to be... Yeah, this ought to be over. It's intended wrong. But serve without feeling useless or discontent. One obstacle to our service is the feeling of uselessness, which can come from our envy of other people. Maybe we see somebody else and they seem to be getting a lot of recognition, a lot of praise, and you know what? I want to be in that position. I want to make people feel like that. I want people to respond to me like that. And so perhaps because of that, we feel useless. Like I'm not in their position, and so I can't do anything. Um, Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we have this wonderful image of the body with many members. And Paul explains that the very existence of the body of Christ depends on diversity. Think about that for a second. The very existence of the body of Christ, just like your physical body, depends on diversity. Right? Not all our thumb, not all our an eye, not all our an ear. Thank God our bodies aren't like that. Right? They'd be useless. Our body as a church depends on diversity. Look at verse 17. 1 Corinthians 12. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? The body would not exist if we were all one member. If we all had the same sorts of gifts. If we had, I should say it this way. If we all had the same gift, we would not exist. What makes Christ's body function is its diversity. Look at verse 18 again. If you struggle with this feeling of uselessness or discontentment, this ought to be a verse you memorize. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. So instead of each one of them, you can include your name. And He has included even me in the body just as He desired. God has included me in the body just as He wanted to. So God is sovereign in His dealing. Do you you trust that God knows what He's doing when He... Gave you the gifts that He gave you. Do you trust Him? Because if we say that we are useless or or we feel discontent, we not only say no to the idea of the body, but worse, we express discontentment about how God pl- has placed us in the body. So, what does this mean for us? It means that we should serve the church where we can. We should thank God for the gifts that He has given us. Not complain about the gifts He has not given us. And we should not feel useless. Merely because we're not serving. Because God has given you those specific gifts as He desired. He knew what He was doing. When He made you like He did. There's so many ways to serve in the church that are crucial to the health of the church. And there are different parts of the body that serve in very different but important ways, just like the, the body your own body parts function in different but important ways. And we know this when one of them breaks down or stops working the way it should, right? You know, like when you have a toothache. You say, my tooth is not supposed to be like that. And it, it's hard to think. It's hard to do anything else when you have a bad enough toothache. Maybe it's a finger that was cut or Or broken. Uh, Every single one of us have important but different responsibilities within Christ's church. And so we need to use our, our gifts for the sake of serving the church. There are lots of things that we can do. And I think a lot of times it comes down to the attitude behind our service. We need to be willing to serve without a title. We need to be willing to serve without a title. What I mean by that is your name's not posted on any bulletin board. It doesn't show up in a bulletin. People don't have you stand up in front of church and so that we can recognize you with a round of applause. Serve without a title. You know, things like, I, I can't think of, very many people other than Clayton who shovels snow without having his name on a list, who enlists people to do various projects around the church. Did you notice this light is, just happens to be working this week? That doesn't happen automatically. It happens when people see a need and they respond to a need. You think he wanted me to come up here and give him praise for this. He doesn't know I'm doing this. Perhaps for you, it could be a card of encouragement. No one's going to set up a list of people who need to send out cards of encouragement. And then check your name off and say, hey, look how many cards of encouragement this person sent out. There are just a number of things that we can do around the church. Now those are kind of more maintenance types things. And, you know, Clayton is gifted in those ways, and he loves to, to do those kinds of things. And perhaps you are too, so you ought to be doing that kind of thing. But what if you're gifted in just relationships? You know, I don't, I don't need to see you doing projects around the church, and projects don't have to be get, get done by you necessarily. But what kind of ways are you serving the body that actually helps it function better? You know, I, I I occasionally will get people come up to me and say, there's nothing for me to do in this church. There's nothing for me to do. And what I think they mean by that is there's nowhere for my name to be put out with a title. Well, they wouldn't say it that way, but my response usually is something, and this is going to come across harsh, but I don't say it this, this way when I talk to them, but go find something to do. Use your gifts, you know. Go talk to one of the deacons. they, They sometimes, like me, are overwhelmed with the responsibilities that they have to fulfill. And they would love to employ you in acts of service. Go talk to that person who sits alone every week. Your name's not going to be on a list for going to talk to them. But that would be a great way for you to serve our church. Go pray with someone who's struggling with some serious trials that they're going through right now. Go pray with them and for them. Don't tell me there's nothing to do. God, I think, is teaching us something. Okay? God gives us all these commands that we have to do, that we're responsible to do because we are His servants. And so... God tells us we ought to sacrifice ourselves. We ought to use our gifts for the sake of the body. But He also says we ought to have a right heart. Which one do you think is more important? Sometimes what we do is we think of God's law, we think of them all on the same line, like they're all important. Which one is more important to God? The heart. So there's actually a hierarchy of responsibility just reading through Isaiah in preparation for our study on Wednesday night. And he said, I, I, I'm sick. God says to the people, I'm sick of your new moon festivals. I'm sick of your sacrifices. I'm sick of all these things that you're doing for me. Wait a second, God. You told us to do those things. You told us to. You know why he was sick of it? Is this was completely Gone. This is not what God wants, ultimately. This is what God wants. He wants your heart behind it. And that's why we don't, at our church, guilt people into service. We don't guilt people into service. We work hard not to. Um, You know, there are all sorts of ministries and responsibilities and things that need to be done. And I think we could get them done if we gave a big plea and we really guilted you about how much time do you really spend and all this sort of thing. And people might do it, but we wouldn't have their hearts behind it. You see, what we would be changing is their external shell. Like, we're building a bunch of automatons. Like, I will go do service because I have to. This is my responsibility. That's not what God wants like in your marriage relationship. How much does your wife really want you or your husband really want you to just do things? Just I I'm I'm your spouse, I have to. No, they want your heart behind it, don't they? They want you to love. It. This is what it is. It's a relationship that we're that we have with God. He wants your heart. Number 3, we got to keep moving. And uh Number 3 is humbly. Do it humbly. Verse 21, we read, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There are positions of greater responsibility and visibility. And so those who are in those positions, those of you who do have a title, let's say, don't lord that over people who don't. Okay, don't don't be Condescending and arrogant and proud about who you are, what your name represents. Because unity and diversity is impossible without humility. And the place that is needed most is those who are in places of prominence. We need to be humble, recognize that. God put us in this position because He desired to do it, not because of something special in us. Um, And one of the great ways to do this is simply by us acknowledging those who are working in various capacities. Um, Serve humbly. Uh, Act of service gone wrong. Number four, grumbling that others are not doing their fair share is not helpful to the unity of the church. Then number four, uh, serve to glorify God and to benefit others. We touched on this already. um, That our service is for the sake of the church. We ought to be providers, not consumers. You know, let's just think about this in terms of finances. Finances. Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's and everything that it contains. And that's true. So when it comes to our money, God owns it all, doesn't He? And it's not about really the amount that we give. It's about how we use every cent. It's not about this little portion that goes to God. See, God, I did that for you. He's concerned about how we spend it all. And so we ought to give faithfully and willingly... And when we do, it often um, loosens the grip that we have on the things of this world when we give. Listen to uh, this example from John Wesley. John Wesley was one of the great evangelists of the 18th century, born in 1703. And in 1731, he began to limit his, his expenses so that he could give for the sake of other people's needs. In the first year that he started to do this. He was 28 years old. He earned 30 pounds that year. And he found that he could live on 28 pounds. So how much would he be able to give? Okay, two. Two pounds. In the second year, he doubled his income. He earned 60 pounds. But he felt that he could still live on 28 pounds. And so now he's able to give 32 pounds. In the third year, he jumped up to 90 pounds. And he was able to give away 62. At one point in Wesley's life, he earned as much as 1,400 pounds. But we learned that he rarely lived on more than 30 pounds. His goal was to give it away. And this really just confused the English tax commission. You imagine them. Knocking on the door, where are all the silver dishes? You know, what what are you storing? Where are you putting all this? Is it hidden in the walls, or wh- where is it? And they learned that he had given it all away. That he lived for the service of others. You see, giving protects against spending that might not be good for us spiritually. And that leads us to number five and six there at the bottom. Little service because our heart has been captured by the world. We have to avoid little service because our heart you know we have this grip so strong on the things of this world that you know I just don't have any money to give and then number 6 serving only up to what is seen as acceptable in the eyes of well, what do people expect me to give that's what I'm going to give all right how do we persevere in this number uh two things number one persevere in service through Christ's power 2 Thessalonians 3.13 As for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. Why would Paul warn believers not to grow weary in doing good? Very easy answer. What is it? Because people get weary in doing good. Is that true? you ever get tired of doing what is right? We tire of our service. When day follows day and week follows week and year follows year and weariness starts to set in, there may be a temptation to pull back and even stop altogether. It's probably because we've lost sight of the larger goal that this world is not all that there is to live for and that our weariness may be a result, may be a result, of our fractured relationship with with Christ, starting to rely on our own strength, you know you've kind of led me along this far. Thank you for that, but now I can take it from here I'll do it, do it the rest of the way, and eventually we start becoming weary of doing good and what God wants is us to lean back on him. Be a servant. And so, in this regard, we need to make sure that our service is fueled by prayer and a healthy dose of God's Word. It all Isn't it amazing? It always comes back to the disciplines of grace. It comes back to two of the main things that we are to do as Christians. Pray and be under the sound or the reading of Scripture. We need spiritual nourishment. And that happens through those two things primarily. We need to remind ourselves again and again of God's character, His goodness, His forbearance, what He has done for us. And when we start to see what God has done for us, reminded about what God has done for us, it re-energizes us to do service for Him. But when our service becomes a chore, a burden, we become weary and discouraged. It stops becoming the fruit of the Spirit and starts becoming the work. Of the flesh. And so we need to ignite our hearts and our minds for service by recognizing God's greatness and the power that we have in Christ. That we are in a fight, and this battle will not end in this lifetime. We will fight for as long as we live. And through the fight, we, we need to have a bigger perspective. We need to have a bigger perspective than just this little bunker that we're sitting in right now, trying to avoid being harmed. We need to have a bigger perspective about the war as a whole, that God is going to win. Christ is going to win. He has won. It's only a matter of time before the, the enemies are brought under His full power. And that brings us to service gone wrong number seven. Exhausting ourselves in service because we l- rely on our own strength. The, M- the Martha model there. The Martha syndrome. It's all about me. It's all about what I need to do. And she was doing a good thing. She just doing it with the wrong heart. And she wasn't doing the best thing. Number two, consider the formal or informal. Okay, so ones that require maybe a title, say for formal, or informal. No one's going to know about it, perhaps, but it's still actually a service to the church. Consider what you can do here at our church. There's so much that can be done at our church. So much more that needs to be done. And if you're wanting to serve our church, then I would say two things. Number one, Start serving. You, you recognize needs just as well as anyone else here. So just start doing what you see needs to be done. And then number two, if you need more than that, then come talk to me or one of the deacons. And we have a, a number of things that could be done. Lots of opportunities. Beyond what is announced at a service or you know, someone needs to sign up for. truth is, that many times we're not so much interested in serving as much as we are interested in being seen to be serving. Do you understand the difference? It's not that we really want to meet the need. It's not really that we want to glorify God. It's that we want to be seen to be doing that by other people. that's a problem. You know, there are lots of things that can be done. And, you know, ushering, audiovisual ministry, nursery, writing cards of encouragement, visiting, attending non-members, visiting members who haven't been here in a while, giving rise to people, preparing for the Lord's Supper, setting up, tearing down various events. Some of those you'll be right in the limelight. People will be watching you do it other times. They don't know that you went to visit a non-member. They don't know that you went to visit a member who hasn't been here in a while. See, these are great ways that we can help build Christ's church and bring glory to God's name. One of the most powerful ministries that you can have is informal. It is without your name being attached to it. That is, having people over for dinner... Talking with the awkward person after Sunday morning service so they would feel welcomed. Forming relationships. For almost 2,000 years, God's people have faithfully served the church and they have been driven by love for what God has done for them. And in our own midst, we have great examples of members' faithful service over the decades. I think of people like Mary, who's been serving the nursery for probably 50 years. And like Clayton and Sarah, who send out birthday cards for as long as we've been here. I hope they send them to you too, because then I, this would be really awkward that I brought it up. But we happen to get some birthday cards from them, and we're thankful for that. See, we're we're people that ought to be driven to serve because the Lord has served us in unfathomable ways, and and we didn't deserve it. So we happily give of ourselves and our gifts for the sake of other people to build them up and see our church grow in unity. Any questions? Comments? All right. More um, preachy, I know, um, than normal, but, you know, theology has applications, not just meant to just, kind of be tucked in our brains it ought to cause us to have a reaction a response and hopefully a proper response and uh, i'm thankful for you all who have served our church and are serving our church in many ways but but what more can we do based on what christ has given us what the spirit has given to us let's pray Father, we are amazed at the grace that you have shown to us. It is undeserved that we would receive your favor. And yet you have shown us your grace so powerfully and so consistently. And the very least that we can do because of all of that is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices with proper hearts that serve you out of love and gratitude. May you increase our desire to love You more. May You increase our desire to serve others better. We pray pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.